I'm not so scared in that sense because it's like it's my own drive that I have. You know, I want to make better work. Hello, print friends, and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release weekly episodes with people around the world who share our love of printmaking. If you like what we do, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you don't like what we do, you don't need to worry about doing that. It's cool. We also have a Patreon page where supporters can join at tiers that start at just a dollar a month, and that helps to keep us bringing you printmaking content every week. You can also get thank yous like exclusive merch as well as access to our bonus content, Shop Talk with our editor, Timothy Pauschak. These are chats for the printmaker's printmaker. They talk about color theory, materials, chemistry, and lots of nuts and bolts down to earth professional advice. How do you keep your practice dynamic after you graduate? How do you save money on supplies? What are we gonna do when they finally stop making phone books? So if this sounds like something you're interested in, you can check out the link in the show notes. If you want to save a little cash and still support the show, you can sign up for a yearly subscription and save 15% off the tier price. Printmaking forever, shun the non-believers. Hello Print Friend is brought to you by Speedball Art Products, who've been offering a diverse range of high-quality products to your creative practice since 1997. Products like their new line of professional relief inks. Beginning with the flagship color Super Graphic Black, developed with artist printer Bill Fick, and formulated with all the working properties artists demand. These light, fast inks roll out consistently, transfer beautifully, and clean up easily with soap and water. So if you want to take your practice to the next level, head on over to Speedball's website, where you can pick up a can of your new favorite color. There's a link in the show notes. My guest this week is Sofia Salazar. We'll talk about growing up in Argentina in an artistic family, and the choice to move from there to the UK building up her brand to the point of making a living off her art, and growing her Instagram presence while finding a balance with her mental health, while relying so much on social media to reach her audience. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to like and share with Sophia Salazar. Hi, Sophia. How's it going? Hi. Um, I'm okay. It's too early in the morning, but I'm um, <laughs> enjoying it. <laughs> I definitely appreciate that. you making some time to, to chat with me. And especially, I know you've got even a train to catch today. So uh, um, you're fitting it in and yes, you're uh, busy artist don't life. Don't worry. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't wake up early for you. It's just that, yeah, we're going away for a week finally. So oh, we've been up since seven, I think, which is not usual for me. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to get a chance to explore more about your your background and your practice and how you've developed your style and your business and all of that good stuff. But (laughs) before I dive in and we get into it, would you please introduce yourself and let people know who you are and where you are and how do you describe um, what you do? Sure. So my name is Sofia Salazar. I am Argentinian. I'm a textile designer. And I'm living, I've been living in the UK for, I think, eight years now. So it's, it's been a while. But yeah, I, I started 
a few years ago with my like my brand you could call it and I've been working in different techniques ever since always experimenting always trying to you know discover new things yeah. so yeah definitely <laughs> and so you said that you grew or you're from Argentina and you grew up there where were you were you in a, a, a big city or more in the countryside what was that part of your life like well um I was born and raised like for the first 10 years of my life, I lived in a big city, then moved to a much quieter place, like um, with a lake and in the mountains. So I spent my teenage years in a, in a much calmer place, mm. but that was also very beautiful. And then when I finished high school, I went to the capital. So I went, I moved to Buenos Aires to mm -hmm. study and that was like the best thing for me. I, I really enjoy big cities where mm. you like, like, you know, there's always something going on and you know that you're not the only one awake at 4am, yep. you know, that feeling, <laughs> knowing yeah. that you're not the only one awake, is just something that I really enjoy. Oh, and now I moved to like the UK, but I'm I live in Norwich, so I, I don't live in a big city anymore. It, I mean, it's a it's a city. It's not it's not a town or anything, but just compared to Buenos Aires, it's yeah. like again much quieter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is it the do they have a big printmaking festival? Am I remembering this right? The Norwich Print Fair? Maybe I I'm wrong. I, no, you. Could be right, but I just I do think I live in a bubble, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, like I'm very ashamed of this. But I don't think I've been to it. Yeah, I know there's. I mean, they have an art university and mm. they have like printmaking studios. And but I, yeah, sorry, I don't. No, no <laughs> I, worries. I don't know You're much doing your own it. thing. Absolutely, absolutely. I think yeah. Sometimes yeah. I feel like that. Like I'm. Like, not alone because I live with my partner, but it's the two of us in, mm. like, up the hill, alone, <laughs> just working. And, yeah. The, the house be on better the hill. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is she Overlooking doing in the there? City. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we we joke about this like we always think like the neighbors must be wondering what are the neighbors doing because we're printing at 2 a.m and like my city is in the front room so mm -hmm. if you if you're walking by you'll see us and <laughs> you'll see us working like at crazy hours doing you know I don't know what our walls are covered in prints that are trying to dry and yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it. I'm sure. I'm sure it's a thrill for the fellow townsfolk. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and then, so when you were growing up, and you, you know, you had this sort of like city, and then a bit more country, and then of course going to Buenos Aires, which is like one of the great cities of the world where does art kind of start to come into your life were you an artistic child did you come from an artistic family yeah. when did it find you yeah my, my parents met in art school like they, they both study art in university and that's how they met Mm. So I think from a very early age, I was like in contact with that. And actually, I was thinking about this yesterday. I remember my mom, because my mom had me when she was very young. She used to take me to the university because she hadn't finished uh, her oh. studies. So I remember the print presses. Like I remember the, like the print studio. 
And I remember going there and I was asking her about this yesterday. And she told me she thinks she graduated in 91 and I was born in 89. So I couldn't have been older than two or three years old, Mm. which is, I mean, it's crazy to think like, because I really do remember, I have memories of that. Yeah. And and so I've always been in touch with that. I've always drawn like like sketching was a thing in my family and we we would do that. That would be an activity that we would do together. And then I remember having inner walls like works that my mom had made like during her studies and some of them were print. And I remember looking at them and I remember asking about how they were made but Mm. so that was from a very early age and then I did nothing about that I just yeah I mean I drew a lot I was I was a kid that drew a lot but I didn't I never studied anything Uh, I never went to classes or anything and then just when I had to decide I really didn't do anything artistic until I decided to you know study design when I finished high school and and even then I didn't ever consider a career in like the arts I always thought I would be a designer which is like in my mind like a different thing it still is so I, I still find it very hard to like mm. identify as an artist just it's always easier for me to say that I'm a designer really? always will be I think yes. what's, what's the kind of distinction for you in your mind between designer and artist well I think something along the process like I know I decide on a product that I'm, I'm going to make or I'm I'm planning um, something and I'm trying to think about the ways I could produce it. So I'm considering techniques at the same time that I'm considering what I'm, I'll be working on next. This, I think I'm not saying there isn't meaning behind my work. I'm just saying that my way of working mm. may be more related with, you know, um, designing a product. Or <clears throat> having something in mind that could be, you know, reproduced or that could be sold. I don't know. I just... Yeah, or maybe it has to do with like the the way that the, the finished product sort of interacts with the world, maybe. You know, we like so you're thinking about it, you know, as you said, in the sense of 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 product, but also, you know, I know you do like textile work on clothes as well. So you're gonna think about how is this gonna wear on someone. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I'm thinking about the user. Um, yeah. Well, some sometimes I am, but um, and it, it may have to do also with the fact that for me, the idea of living of my art, like it, it, it was a bit like far fetched. Like it could be mm. like being a designer sounded like I would have a war uh, job. Right. <laughs> I think you're being not alone artist, in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being an artist really sounded like I wouldn't ever make money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it might have to do with that but I don't regret um, uh, having studied design instead of going to art school mm. I may I know I would know a lot more now like I, because right now we just dive in blind in whatever project we're we're doing next um, technique wise I mean mm. I don't know I don't know what I'm doing until I'm in the process and I'm, and until I done it like 50 times then mm. I, I start to figure it out but it's not like I know what I'm doing beforehand 
yeah. when it comes to printing. I mean, I remember like I've always been curious about how things were made and like every time I saw an image I would try to read you know in the description the technique that it was used and I would investigate that technique so I've always been curious about it and I know the theory but I don't really have any like real practice or I never <laughs> tried it um, except for when I started doing it. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. It, it really does. But as I'm listening to you say it, I feel like I feel like I've heard even people who've gone to art school say something really similar, <laughs> you know, that, that you don't know what you're doing until you figure out what you have to do, you know? So I think yeah. uh, I don't know that art school would have would have saved you from that. Yeah, it sounds like design oh, was, no, but was meant I, for what, you. What I mean is... <laughs> What I mean is I do, like, every time I see a professional mm. printmaker, like, I realize I make mistakes that <laughs> might be very obvious to them or, or sacrilegious. Or, or, but I don't know. I just, I don't think right now I would like to learn how to do it right. Mm. Because I think there's something there. There's something in the in the in-between of things that I enjoy. There's mm. something in the not perfect that I enjoy. Otherwise, I would, I don't know, digitally print things right. if I wanted it to look exactly as it looked in my computer. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm justifying myself. <laughs> no, I think I think that for sure that kind of little feeling of kind of looseness, I guess, um, is a huge part of, of your look and I think of, of your voice. And part of what makes your design so charming and engaging, I think, is that you can feel that that sort of handmade quality, you can feel that that gestural quality really coming through in it. So I, I think that that's, it, it very much works, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so if you didn't find printmaking through art school, when did you discover it, you know, outside of uh, being a, a little, you know, bambino wrapped up um, <laughs> in your mom's arms in the print studio? When did you come to it as someone who practices it? And how did it end up being a big part of um what you do well um again I always knew it existed like uh I would I knew what a woodcut was I knew what like I knew that that was a way of reproducing images and I remember in 2013 we went to New York and I bought like supplies that I hadn't seen back home or something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. and I bought um a piece of like this soft it wasn't soft cut it was more like a piece of rubber that was meant for carving and that was like my my first approach to um I think it was meant to do to make stamps and I actually I didn't use it because I had so little of it that I didn't want to waste it so I never ended up <laughs> with it but that was, I think, my first approach. And then a year later, we moved to the UK and I bought um, a piece of, I think it was MDF or a piece of wood. And I bought the tools for carving, but just like the ones that you would find in a hardware store, like the most, like, like the cheapest, most mm -hmm. general thing. And we carved, well, I carved a design and and printed it for the first time, you know, with a spoon and with um, whether water-based inks and I loved the design and I loved mm. the idea of it and I loved the gesture of it and I like 
still to this day, I love seeing the ink on the paper and just being able to feel it, like to touch it. Yeah. And yeah. then I didn't do anything with it for, <laughs> I think, four more years. <laughs> so it was 2018 and I bought a piece of um, linen and I made a print. Like I did the carving and then I found the printing so hard. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know, still to this day, I find lino to be very hard to print. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know, I, I find, I mean, I think you need a lot of pressure. And so, I don't know, it, it didn't, it worked, but it wasn't perfect. It wasn't completely satisfying. So I left it aside for a bit. Yeah. Because... That's something I do. <laughs> like I, I'll get excited about something and then disappointed with the, the results and I'll leave it aside until my brain decides to give it another try. I like that. And so, yeah. <laughs> I like that I, I come back to it eventually. Uh, yeah, I like that I don't just abandon it forever. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, then I, I started doing like this I think it was A5, uh, you know, sized um, designs, and and they were selling. They, I mean, I was selling them for so cheap, and I sold them for so cheap for so long. Uh-huh. But of course, they, they were selling, um, and I would print with um, a spoon or yeah, a little button that I had. And then I think it was so. I started in May, and I think in October I decided to buy like a small intaglio press that I could afford mm-hmm. like very small like it's A4 but with that A4 press I did so much printing like I, I took it to the extreme I think that machine did everything it could do for me yeah. like uh, and I, I love it I love it it's a, it's a small press and just I did so much with it and and then I started experimenting with oil-based inks which I found to be like I love them I prefer them I don't know I love the colors the richness the saturation the mm. the sheerness of it I love everything but waiting for them to dry and cleaning up afterwards mm-hmm. which I right I um, think that's very that's also very printmakery of you for sure <laughs> but I mean to be fair with me because I'm I'm, I'm very messy I do clean up afterwards every time <laughs> because otherwise you can't do anything. But you you should see my house right now. Like I'm I'm doing a reductive print or reduction print. I don't know exactly the name of it. But um, I don't have a drying rack or anything like to that purpose. So my house right now is filled with prints that are drying. And because I'm printing ink over ink because it's like the third layer already. Mm-hmm. It's taking like a week to dry. Yeah. So literally last week we had uh, lunch and dinner in my studio because <laughs> the rest of the house was taking over the brain drying. <laughs> you have to go to the studio to find the place that doesn't have prints. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because that's the only table available right now. And so, well, I, I started with my business uh, started with the embroidery. Mm-hmm. And then slowly the printing took over. Mm. I always loved printing, like the idea of it, screen printing also. So so the fact that my business like changed in that direction is something that gives me a lot of satisfaction because I really do prefer to be printing than to be doing any textile work, mm. I think. 
Yeah. And so I'm also curious, how did you come to develop this really distinctive aesthetic, this distinctive voice that you have? Because I feel like particularly for artists and makers and designers who do want to make a business like you have, you know, to be able to um, live off their art and, you know, sell and and create you know, finding that really distinctive voice can be hugely helpful in that. Um, you know, people like to to understand the voice of the person that they're purchasing from often. And so what was that path like for you to, to discover that you had a style that you wanted to say multiple things in, you know, multiple different versions of, of what you wanted to see out in the world? I don't find that question easy mm. like to answer because mm. I can't separate what I do from like what I am and what I do all the time. Mm. I think I am I am a bit of a like art history nerd or I don't know or enthusiastic if you want. <laughs> so I love museums. I've been in touch with museums since a very young age and I love like archaeological books and you know just studying uh, classical art or studying pre-Columbine art or I don't know whatever images were produced or not even images but also objects and you know that thing um, inspires me a lot because I see something and I want to be able to make it or at least try to understand how it mm. was done. So through that, I think I've like, I don't know, I have so, so many images in my head that I have accumulated through the years, through old books, through museums and films and documentaries that I think just, I just, I think it makes sense what yeah. I make, if, if you can see that. Yeah. I don't, I don't find it easy to say or to see how part particular my style is like um actually I'm always wondering like am I not doing the same thing that Matisse and Cacto and Picasso did like a hundred years ago like Mm. am I like am I really am I doing something different or am I just you know um following uh something that was done you know the Bauhaus was a hundred years ago Mm. and they And if you ask me, like, they did everything so perfectly that why would you do something <laughs> else? <laughs> so sometimes I wonder, like, or I, like, I feel not insecure, but I do, like, feel like, I, I don't know. Do I have a voice? I, I guess I mm. do have a voice, but I don't see it so clearly. Maybe it's easier to see from the outside. That's... But I think the only way of finding your voice is just working yeah absolutely yeah and I I definitely think that like for for me for someone who um you know I have a background in art history as well and I'm really interested in printmaking and talking to artists and I I think that you know the answer for me seems very clearly that you you are doing something different you know if only for the reason that the context is so different you know you're you're creating new work that's in the 21st century like you're creating female nudes as a woman, you're creating um, yeah. stuff that it, people are interfacing with through Instagram. You know, like so much about how oh, it exists in yeah. the world and how it's created. It's 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 so while you can see the art historical influences from you know Picasso, Matisse. Sometimes I feel like I even see you know a Grecian vase you know popping up mm-hmm. here yeah, and there. Um, <laughs> the it's it's you're giving that 
that look such a new life, I think, is what makes it exciting. Yeah. I think uh, I do have something to say. Like, it's not an advice, but I think I there's something I find useful that maybe other people can find useful is um, like trying, trying maybe the same drawing with as many different techniques as you can like get in touch with or like the, the drawing won't be the same. The style won't be the same if you use charcoal or if you use a pencil or if you use a technical pen or if you use like a brush or if you use a, like a thicker brush or if you do a monotype like many times when I can't or when I don't know what to do I'll just ink up a plate and just put some paper on it and try to do a monotype like you know it's a few things uh, if it's a few seconds and you can't think much about it and the quality of the light of the line and the quality of the drawing is so different from what you could have achieved with a pencil when you know you can erase you know you can you know do that line better you know Mm -hmm. you can do that face over and over so for me you know trying that when I'm when I'm stuck trying to draw with a marker and then with a pencil and then with a crayon and then with a whatever that usually helps me a lot and I think it can help you to find a style because it can help you to find one type of line that you consider it's you know it suits you better yeah Yeah, absolutely absolutely I'd love for you to speak to the process of building your company as well and kind of your brand and I'd love if you could start with the name um, (laughs) and then also, if you can drop some girl boss knowledge on everyone <laughs> out there um, who maybe is thinking about trying to take the path as well that you're on. Uh, well, my company name is Yedra. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I know it's not easy for English speakers to read it and to guess that it's pronounced like that. Uh, it means ivy, like, you know, the plant. Mm-hmm. And and I know people think it like it sounds like hydra, which I, I don't mind because it's actually a, like a mytholo- mythological yeah. picture. So I think it it's okay either way. But yeah, I, I call it Yedra. And I started it, um, I think it was, well, I started it in 2014, but it didn't really work until uh, 2016 because the first few years I was trying to figure out what to do because, Mm -hmm. you know, that thing I have where I like to do many things, that also means that I could be doing anything. (laughs) Like, I didn't really have an idea of what I could be selling. It could have been clothing. It could have been weaving. Weaving, Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was doing at the beginning. And so I tried a lot of different things, including, I don't know, ceramics, until I found that when I was embroidering on clothing, people wanted that. Like Mm. clothing was something that was very like instant, if you like, like you could picture yourself wearing whatever I was making like right away. Mm. And when I found that, I just immediately decided, well, I'm going to do this now then. (laughs) uh, I discovered two things. I was doing a textile residency in Iceland. It was actually the only residency I ever done, but it was very important for me. And I was recording like my processes like I was making videos 
And I I saw that one of the videos gave me like 200 followers. I had mm. 800 followers and I got to a thousand thanks to one video. And, and so I, I realized, okay, this is like, there's something here. Even yeah, you're like, getting a right response. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what I'm going to make. I'm going to make videos and I'm going to show people how I embroider on clothing and I'm going to sell um, those pieces. Um, so I started very slow and, you know, my, my parents-in-law, is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> they they had gifted me um, two hundred euros for something I made for them, and with that I decided, like, okay, I'll buy some sweatshirts and I'll buy the threads and I'll I'll put some of them for sale. And people did react to it. I knew, like, I had I had a very like popular uh, design which was like two boobs on a sweatshirt uh-huh. <laughs> which which was something that it wasn't my favorite thing to do but it was something <laughs> I knew it would do well yeah so from the start I I was kind of you know combining those two elements of what I want to do and what I think people will want mm-hmm. so I'll mix the two of them and I'll hope <laughs> they eventually choose what I prefer Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And well, so at that time, I had a lot of free time because I didn't have a lot of orders. (laughs) So I could design. I was actually doing one new design and one new video each day, which right now I just find the idea just (laughs) impossible. Yeah. But if you think about it, I I didn't have anything else to do because, I mean, I was trying to sell those things. But in the meantime, while I was waiting for orders to arrive, I had nothing but time. Mm -hmm. So I created a lot of content and I put a lot of my time into trying to grow an audience. Like what I did is um, I found people who were doing work that I liked and that I thought, well, my audience would like this or it was the other way around. I think this audience could also like what I do. So I would, (laughs) I don't know, I would interact with, you know, those followers from other accounts Mm -hmm. and eventually they would um, come see my work and they would start following me and that's how I grew my audience it took a lot of time but it but it was a different time for Instagram so I think um, I could really go viral with my videos which I don't find that easy to do anymore yeah yeah things have changed a lot um yeah yeah it's it's crazy now out there I don't know (laughs) I don't understand any of it (laughs) No, I don't. I don't. But I do remember that, like, I came from that residency in May, and I had uh, 1,000 followers. I I traveled with my family, like, in June, and I got to um, 2,500. I remember that. I remember being in Rome and, you know, like, oh, I reached. Yeah. <laughs> I reached number. And by October, I had reached. Uh, 10,000 and and so in that period it grew very quickly so so I had that (laughs) and and yeah I I was selling mostly uh, embroidered um, sweatshirts that I was making and so how did I I did that for a year and a half and then I started including 
the printmaking. And I slowly like fade away the embroidery because it was something that took so long. I mean, printmaking, it takes a lot of time, but at least you can do a lot of them at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> at least once you like get, once you've created your screen or your block, you know, then you get you get more than just, yeah, the 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 one shirt out of it in the end yeah yeah w w once you've finished the process um hopefully you'll have like an edition that you can sell um because yeah embroidery i enjoy it i like it i like the result but it's just um if you're going to sell it you either have to charge a lot of money Mm -hmm. or be very well known and you know respected and people will want to pay you know what it's actually worth yeah. which is I don't know it's hard it's hard yeah. to find I mean, it's hard to to I'm trying to think of myself buying a piece of clothing that would be I don't know I don't know how much it should be yeah. to make sense. So yeah, I I don't I don't know. I I I know I spent a lot of time, a lot of time building my social media like audience and a lot of engagement and a lot of content. And I would watch YouTube videos um, of people making content. Like I remember at that in that time, I would watch. Um, you know Casey Neistat <laughs> well he's a like a very famous YouTuber he does something that has nothing to do with what I do but uh -huh. I found it very inspiring to see someone that was actually you know creating content for a living which you know in 2016 wasn't that that much of a thing totally yeah but it's hard to remember that yeah only five years ago it was really a different world out there Yeah. Well, it was, you know what, well, I remember I I was selling on Etsy and I would go to these Etsy meetings and someone said, yeah, because I have my, like, I sell on my Instagram account and I asked, like, who buys on Instagram? <laughs> I, I, I did that. <laughs> and, and, like, she told me, like, everyone Yeah. And that day I decided to create an account. You're like, <laughs> like, all right, here we go. Yeah. You know, okay, I'll, I'll show my things here. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was very different. And I've never been like an early adopter of any mm. social media thing because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. tend to be a bit more conservative, but you shouldn't be. <laughs> Yeah. And so as you, you know, we're growing your brand and you're finding an audience and, you know, you're someone who's a, who's, you know, has the design mentality or you're a maker. Do you ever think about, you know, how do you kind of find that balance of staying true to your brand and the audience you've grown, but also keeping things interesting for yourself and challenging yourself? Because um, I think that's something that anyone who's, you know, spent a lot of time growing a profile has to sort of face. It's something I think about with the podcast, like, you know, three years on and with a fair amount of listeners e each week, it's like, okay, I don't ever want to kind of fall into a habit where I'm like, okay, I know it. I know how it goes now. You know, like I always want to <laughs> keep it interesting because I know I'll make better work if I'm interested, right? So how do you yeah. sort of t tackle that um, as someone who, who creates work that people purchase? Um, I think... I think my personality helps a lot mm. in that sense because I'm both very curious and I'm also, you know, I am hardworking, but I also get bored. 
if I had to do something like that I find repetitive or not challenging or not interesting. So, of course, I have like this, like things in my brain that tell me, you know, this works, don't touch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, I can't follow that voice a lot. Like I have to, I have to make new things. I have to, because otherwise I feel like I'm also cheating on people and that people will notice. Mm. Like I, I, <laughs> um, I don't know if they notice. I don't know how much attention they pay, but I can't do that to myself. I can't post the same image. Yeah. More than like twice. If I have to like try to sell it again, I'll like, of course I'll take new pictures, but just showing the same artwork twice is like feels like cheating for uh-huh. me, which yeah. which is crazy. If you think they have to like create content all the time, and that content just means they have to come up with something new that is actually good. You know that I found that tricky. The fact that sometimes I'll have you know I know I have to post something, so I'll create something just for the video, and I hate when I do that. But it is part of my job yeah. to do that. Yeah. So then, then I look back on my feed, and I and I look at something, and it's like, oh, why did I post this? <laughs> but it's just that balance. I find it very tricky. Mm. But the other one. You know, the the one that it's related to the kind of work that I'm doing, I feel um, I'm not so scared in that sense because it's like it's my own drive that I have. You know, I want to make better work. I want to be able to someday, you know, have an exhibition. Mm. And, and I don't know, it's just I need it to be good for me. I want to like it. And and I don't know. I find it. I think I think I am challenging myself all the time. I, th- yeah. I think that's how. And sometimes that means I'm taking risks with the business. I think I'm not mm-hmm. doing. I know I could be doing things that will be more popular. Mm. Um, but I feel better this way. I actually feel very bad when I feel like I'm only doing this because I know it'll sell well. Yeah, I just makes me <laughs> it makes me very anxious to realize that sometimes I do sometimes like there will be a month where I need the money I need to make the money and I'll just make some prints to go out mm. it's always something that I want to do it's something it's always something that I like but it's not always my best work I think I mean but again this is my brain telling me that yeah. wasn't your best work right because I wouldn't I wouldn't ever put something for sale that I'm not like proud of because seriously I have the imposter uh, syndrome very present in my life so if I notice I'm doing that I'll get anxious like right away and I'll start you know punishing myself and thinking you're you're cheating on people you know Mm. (laughs) so yeah, no. I think I think my anxiety takes care of me. Um, you know, doing new work that is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know that um, my therapist always says about my anxiety, like that's just your brain trying to protect you. You know, like like you don't, you know, like you can thank it and let it go because it's just your brain trying to protect you. You know. Yeah, I think I think in a way it is. I I would like to 
relax more sometimes but I don't yeah I don't I, I'm not afraid of you know being of doing things just for the money because I know I'm not mm-hmm. yeah yeah well I think maybe sort of I guess speaking of um, mental health and and you know the the stories that our brains tell us you know you you'll post a bit about mental health here and there on your Instagram mm-hmm. and you'll say sort of how you're feeling and and that sort of thing and I I guess I'm curious too as someone who is you know, in part making their living through Instagram. And so mm. it's really important that you stay engaged. How do you find that balance, I guess? Because I know that Instagram can be a hard place to keep mental health, like mm. a healthy, you know what I mean? Like the, the healthy mental yeah. health while you have to spend a lot of time on it. Um, how do you well, sort of manage I mean, it? Yeah. I, I think a portion of my anxiety is related to the fact that I need Instagram algorithm mm. to work with me or my engagement will affect my mood because I, you know what, I have my dream job. I, in many ways, I live the life that I always wanted to. So for me, my anxiety is like, will I be able to keep this and how much I depend on Instagram to do that. That's that's the thing that worries me. Yeah. And <laughs> so I don't know how I find it with, <laughs> with the violence. <laughs> I try I try to come up with solutions when I get too anxious about that. Um, but you know, I try to be honest because I realize how much people put me in a place that isn't necessarily real. Like I get a lot of wonderful messages that I that I enjoy, that I love, that I appreciate. But people think I have like everything sorted or or that you know everything comes easy to me especially I mean I'm not I'm not saying like um, money wise I'm saying style wise right. or work wise yeah. like they'll think that I'm always inspired or that <laughs> I don't know that I can just sit down and do something that is good mm. that isn't always the case I'm not always focused I'm not always inspired that I'm very rarely inspired Mm. actually and and I think like it can be very tricky to be watching at some someone else's life or someone else's work and to think you know that that's all there is it and and what I mean is I'm I'm not saying oh pity me I'm (laughs) saying uh I'm saying it's easy to be hard on yourself if you if you think like you're watching someone else succeed because it happens to me all the time i'll watch like i follow a lot of artists and i'll always think that they have better opportunities that they have more exhibitions that they probably have more orders that their work is getting better like I do that all the time mm-hmm. and then I think about like myself and that maybe people do that with me and I just want to tell them like no no I, I don't know anybody who has it sorted yeah. I don't know anybody who feels like they are riding this wave and they are on top of everything so yeah don't get tricked by what you see on I, Instagram I think that's such an important thing to say and for people to hear I really do because it's, it's, we put our best selves out, we put our best work out, you know, we don't um, post about the failures, you know, um, because that doesn't always get that kind of in the engagement, right, that runs everything. And so, or, I, or even, yeah, even if it does, I, I don't feel comfortable, um, mm. you know, 
I'm not saying complaining, but I don't feel comfortable uh, saying that I don't, I'm not inspired or that I'm hardening it, find, um, I'm finding it hard to start to work or even like getting out of bed because that, I, like that happens to me a lot, but I'll wake up at nine, but I'll get out of bed at 11 because I don't want to, you know, um, but I don't feel comfortable sharing that because I've feel it'll look like you know like I want people to um feel bad for me or I don't know it just it feels so weird mm-hmm. yeah that, um so I'm not comfortable doing it but sometimes sometimes I'll do it just to let people know that you know it happens all the time to everybody <laughs> I think yeah just, yeah that's that's again yeah I think it's really really good when people can be open and honest about that for sure and and I think that art of of really almost of any kind like good art often has this quality of looking effortless because everything is in the right place and I mean it Mm -hmm. with like the design of a piece but I also mean it's that phenomenon about like how I can lie in bed eating a giant fruit platter and watch the Olympics and be like, doesn't look so hard. You know what I mean? Like, because they make it look easy. And I think that art, like good art can have the same quality to it where when something is right, like when everything's being done and kind of falling into place as it should, we just associate that with like, oh yeah, how could how hard could have that been? You know, so I think it is important yeah. for people to hear that to get it to that point it it takes a lot of invisible effort yeah yeah there there's a lot around art and how people see it because there's also there's also like this guilt i have because you know i have the job that i love and, you know and i love what i do and so in a way it feels like oh you can't complain you're i mean you're doing what you love which i am but also to do this like i work all day and I really mean all day mm-hmm. like if I'm up I'm working and even if I'm not like physically working I'm thinking about work or I'm worrying about work so you know there's a lot of enjoyment and it's a beautiful thing to do and it's a like beautiful job but it is a job and I shouldn't feel guilty that I have this life because I really do work a lot, mm-hmm. like a lot <laughs> uh, to have this. But with this, I'm not saying someone who doesn't have this is just not working hard enough. I'm not saying yeah. that. I'm just saying that some people think that being an artist is just, you know, playing forever, all the time, mm-hmm. enjoying all the time, everything. And I don't think that's the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's, it's yeah. hard to like. I mean, there are uh, too many things to it to just resume it. Um, I don't know easily, but yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things where it's like if I, you know, I love doing things, creative things. I love making this podcast and getting to talk to interesting creative people every week and it's it's amazing and I get wonderful messages from people about it but every once in a while that feeling of like oh right some people when they leave work they're just 
done for that day, <laughs> you know, like, like I kind of forget that that's true. And it's never, you know, it's never true when you're in the business of creating yeah. something, you know, on your own and sort of on your own two feet where you, you're expected mm-hmm. to engage with people and create content and, you know, all of that kind of thing. So every once in a while, if I'm, if I'm feeling really worn down, my husband will, will be like, well, you have been working nonstop for like <laughs> checks watch, like, three years you know <laughs> like <laughs> they'll be like oh yeah my yeah, mom trans yeah. my mom tries to tell me that like <laughs> you've been working all day you, you can you can stop you can rest yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah I don't know it's it, when it depends on you you have to Mm-hmm. You have to keep working. I, I don't. I, I don't know if I want to spread this message of, of you have to. <laughs> um, you shouldn't. You, you should rest and everything. But yes. I don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, Everyone take uh, care uh, of themselves. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Please do take care of your mental health while I work until I pass out. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It's tricky. I get it. I definitely get it. And and again, again, it's that guilt of what what am I complaining about? You mm-hmm. know, like am I complaining that I have to? Oh, I have to create content. Why why do I feel that it's some something to be guilty about? I just mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I think it for for me, I can say that that feeling it comes from I think this voice that's somewhere in me that's like. What if it's not good this time? What if you mm. don't, you know, like, like, what if, what if you just make something totally shit this time, you know? And like, and <laughs> yeah. so like, no matter what, no matter how many times I've done something, you know, like no matter how many times I've made a video or interviewed someone <laughs> or designed something, there's just like that little, that little devil in there who's like, yeah, but, but what if you're bad at it this time? And, and it, that's <laughs> what gives me the anxiety when I go into that act of creating, you know, or, or the act oh, yeah. of like, um, of posting something or making something, you know, is it's just, it's that, that little, that little, that little devil in there. Yeah. <laughs> Especially designing something or, or, you know, doing artwork, that voice will always be there. Like, you're not good enough or <laughs> like everybody else made this or, you know, it's just, uh, but I think, <laughs> I think I'm fighting that voice. And like, like I'm trying to ignore that voice a little bit. I'm getting better at it, mm. at it, I think. But I do feel I still need to, like, I'm trying to prove someone that you know what I do is a real job and it's worth of you know respect or something like that. I don't know who that is, but right, I yeah. do. <laughs> I feel that I feel like I'm trying to prove the internet that I'm actually working. Yeah. I don't know why I do that. <laughs> totally totally well in the little (laughs) bit of time we have left could you tell people where they can find you online and check in on you and make sure you're make sure you're working you know where where can people (sighs) see you you can check on me you can control how many hours a day i work (laughs) (laughs) mostly on instagram which is now yedra uh, which now I realize it's not easy to find just by hearing it because mm. it also has like two underscores before the name of it. But I think if you if you look for my name, if you look for Sofia Salazar, mm. or if you look for Yedra um, on Instagram, you should be able to find me. And on TikTok, I'm trying my best, and I'm <laughs> like not succeeding at all. So if you want to see me fail, you can do that also. <laughs> 
I feel like that's just a refrain from anyone born in the 80s, myself included, about TikTok. Yeah. You know, it's like, we're trying, wow. but yeah. And, he, and you can tell. That's the thing that embarrasses me. That you can tell that I'm trying so hard and I'm not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, oh, it just... And uh, yeah, I'm not that young anymore. That's when you realize. You realize when, like, the next generation is in charge now of the social media. They're up there in charge <laughs> of the internet. And is is your TikTok handle your your name? Or? It's the same. same. Uh, it's okay. yeah. I mean, it's the same one as it's on Instagram. But oh. yeah, do do check my Instagram first I'll, um, <laughs> because I'll I'm put proud link, of that work now. <laughs> yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes to it so people don't um, necessarily have to have to guess about the spelling um no yeah but uh, like like you said also just searching your name will bring it up too so yeah um yeah. well thank you so much for letting me steal a, an hour of your morning before you go traveling yeah. um that's, that's fine. yeah where are you heading to barcelona oh wonderful <laughs> wonderful yeah well, i'm so excited oh that's gonna be great well have have an amazing trip um, definitely see the museums, um, as I'm sure you will, as you were saying that you, uh, you're, you're a museum goer. And um, again, just like thank you for, for letting us steal an hour on your on the first day of your holiday. So please enjoy it. Yeah, and, and we'll you're very welcome. And thank you for getting in touch. I really do enjoy your podcast, and I'll listen to like I have so many episodes that I can listen to now. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, thank you. Thank All you. Right. I really did enjoy it. Um, yeah, this is great. You can find it useful. I Absolutely. <laughs> Lots of gems, I know. So we will be in touch. <laughs> yeah, and safe travels, okay? Thank you. Thank All you right. so much. Okay. Bye now. Okay. Bye. Well, that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be friend of the pod, Jamal Barber. We'll talk about his return to school for his MFA 15 years after he finished his bachelor's in design how this experience has changed his art and how he defines what he does, and going through his master's during some of the most turbulent years in recent memory in America. Oh, and of course, his fantastic podcast, Studio Noise. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.